welcome to the Palia podcast. I'm Turi Munte. Where do your opinions come from? Why do we think what we think and why do we disagree? In each episode, we'll talk with thought leaders from around the world to help us understand the nature of opinion, how ideas form, why we argue, and what that means for society. Join us at palia.com, the encyclopedia of opinion. Today, we are super excited to have with us Karen Douglas from the University of Kent, where she's a professor of social psychology. Her focus for the last 12 years has been the psychology around conspiracy theories. Karen, we're thrilled to have you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me. Karen, we're interested in conspiracies at Palia because they're one more way of apprehending the world around us. They're also very much order of the day today. I saw that recently Twitter um, has been banning QAnon accounts across the platform. But also conspiracy theories, conspiracy believers are an interesting way of looking at mainstream society from, from the margins a little bit. Can I ask you to start us off by defining conspiracy theory? Sure. Well, a conspiracy theory can normally be defined as a proposed plot, usually carried out by powerful people in secret. And this would normally have some kind of malevolent or, I guess, not very constructive goal. So we're not talking about things that are good for people generally, they're more self-serving or negative objectives. And so, so very much conspiracy, the idea that, that there is a conspiracy, a plot somewhere here. But That's you... right. And it's, a, it's being hidden from the public. That's kind of those, those ingredients are the most important thing. It's a, it's a plot, usually by powerful people, and it's being hidden from the public. It's being hidden from people. They don't want you to know about it. Uh, is there a sort of a deeper typology to conspiracy theories that you like? I know that there's, some people think of systemic ones, supra- mm-hmm conspiracy series, event-driven ones. Yeah. What, what are the typologies that you like to think of? Well, it hasn't ever really been a typology established in, in the psychological research, but conspiracy theories certainly do come in different types, and it's usually related to who is to blame for the conspiracy, so like who we actually are the conspirators. So, for example, some can blame governments, such as the 9-11 conspiracy theory, which was supposed to be an inside job by the Bush administration, the assassination of JFK, which was supposed to be some kind of collusion between somebody and the CIA. Some blame other groups like pharmaceutical companies, such as the anti-vaccine conspiracy theories. Some others blame secret groups, secret societies, that I guess are in charge of everything that happens in the world. As you mentioned before, some of them are more specific to events such as 9-11 or other kinds of events. And some are more, I guess, about circumstances like climate change. So they're not all necessarily about events. Some can be about things that are just always there. So there are many different types of conspiracy theories. I think a typology, quite a strict typology should be possible But of course, conspiracy theories are emerging all the time when something new happens. Like, for example, we're seeing a lot of conspiracy theories now about the coronavirus. So they're emerging all the time, which makes things always more complicated. There also seems to be a sense in which conspiracy theories sort of bleed in and out of each other, that conspiracy theorists 
or conspiracy believers are perhaps prone to link up multiple conspiracies in the way that you end up with possibly a sort of a David Icke character for whom it all bubbles up into a giant cosmic conspiracy. It's sort of like a, a war of worlds, a cosmology of conspiracy. Yeah, that does that does happen. There's a very, very common finding in the psychology literature that if people are inclined to believe in one type of conspiracy theory, then they're also likely to entertain other types of conspiracy theories, even when they can contradict each other. They might be about the same event and directly contradict each other. People will nevertheless entertain these ideas at the same time. So some people would argue that this reflects an underlying, I guess, tendency to prefer conspiracy explanations over others for these these sorts of events. And it is true that for some of the more, I guess you would say, extreme conspiracy believers, a lot of things seem to fit together. And one of the reasons why this kind of, kind of thing happens is because most, if not all, conspiracy theories do assume that um, there is something being covered up. There is something that governments, whoever, don't want you to know about. So while one of these things might be possible in your mind, then perhaps all of these other things seem possible as well because they all, I guess, are consistent with that underlying idea that something is not quite right, something's being covered up. Almost like it's a, a mode, whether it's a mode of th- thinking or a mode of feeling or a mode of apprehending the world but it's an approach you've done very deep analyses of the entire literature around conspiracy theories and you surface sort of three broad causes if i'm right the social the political and of course your key focus the psychological let's park that last bit for a second but could you walk us through and unpack how you see the social and political causes of this conspiracy theorizing Sure. Um, Well, there are quite a lot of social factors which have been found to um, be associated with belief in conspiracy theories. And most of these are um, related to demographic factors, such as, say, your level of education. So one of the findings um, that emerges quite a lot in psychological studies and in other studies as well is that belief in conspiracy theories tends to be associated with lower levels of education. That's not to say that people who have lower levels of education are gullible or stupid in any kind of way. It simply means that people who have higher levels of education perhaps have access to certain tools that allow them to reject conspiracy theories more readily, such as critical thinking skills and perhaps, you know, just more digital literacy and all those sorts of things. And likewise, certain factors like income level have been associated with belief in conspiracy theories. So people um, who lower levels of income are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories, people from ethnic minority groups as well, which doesn't necessarily seem surprising because I think that ethnic minority groups seem to be often the people who stand to lose the most when powerful people conspire, so that makes perfect sense. And also older people tend to be less likely to believe in conspiracy theories. And again, that could be confounded with education level and income and various other life opportunities that might allow people to think more critically. So those are some of the social factors in terms of political... Can I jump in, sorry, very quickly, because there's also there's one other social factor that you flag, which is males. Do males tend to, tend to believe in conspiracy theories more than females? 
Um, well, that's an interesting question because we don't really find that there are any gender differences in terms oh, okay. of who believes in conspiracy theories, which is uh, which we think is very interesting because if you think of the prototypical conspiracy um, theorist or conspiracy believer, the people that run the radio shows and, and, and those sorts of things, they're always men. They're always kind of middle-aged white men, to be more particular. So one of the things... Talking about me. (laughs) Well, one of the things that... So we kind of expected to see this gender difference, right? But we don't actually find that men believe them more than women. It might be the case that men believe in some conspiracy theories more than women do and vice versa, but I haven't really found a great deal of um, evidence. Kind of a rabbit hole there. No, so you were going to jump onto the, the, the political factors. Well, in terms of the political factors, in the United States, we have a very partisan um, political system. And a lot of the research on conspiracy theories has been conducted in the United United States um, in terms of political science research and, and the psychological research as well. And this research tends to show that partisanship is quite a significant predictor of conspiracy beliefs, specifically when they're about politics, which makes a lot of sense. So, for example, in the USA, you find that a lot of Republican people are prepared to believe the conspiracy theory that Barack Obama was not born in the United States and they're hiding his birth certificate, whereas you'll find um, more Democrats believing 9-11 conspiracy theories, um, such because the the protagonist was supposed to be members of the Bush administration. So people are more likely to believe conspiracy theories that suit their political agenda or match up with their political um, ideology. And this is an example of what you call motivated reasoning, where people will interpret information in ways that is consistent with their ideology. And that's a really, I guess, critical, quite common finding in terms of conspiracy beliefs. We're likely to believe the ones that match up with our political ideology and reject the ones that don't. Others have found that conspiracy beliefs tend to be endorsed more when people are in a losing political position. So you might see more conspiracy theories from Democrats when Republicans are in power and vice versa. You might see that sort of thing. And another finding in terms of politics is that people who are more, I guess, the extremes of the political spectrum, so that is both at the extreme right and the extreme left, tend to believe in conspiracy theories more. Those who are more moderate, tend not to be such believers, you find these beliefs occurring quite a lot at the political extremes. So those are the main points about politics or political factors that predict belief in conspiracy theories. And would you say that you find the same tendency to believe in conspiracies both on the left and on the right? It depends on the conspiracy theory. Obviously, climate change conspiracy theories tend to be endorsed more by people on the right than on the left, but it depends on the type of conspiracy theory as well. There are some climate change conspiracy theories that implicate big oil companies in suppressing information about climate change and reducing the, like, I guess, trying to downplay climate change, then obviously you're likely to see those beliefs emerging more on the left. On the whole, when we measure conspiracy belief or like just a general, generalized sort of tendency to believe a variety of conspiracy theories, we find that people on the right are more likely to believe than people on the left. But it's more like, I guess, a U-shaped function. So you do see people 
who are more extremists on the left also more likely to buy into these theories. Gotcha. What are the political or media ecosystems which make conspiracy theories thrive? Sure. Well, it's much easier to find information during these times. We have social media and all sorts of ways of communicating with other people and finding information. So um, it's, it's very, very easy for people to find others as well. And of course, when we consume media, some media sources are less partial than others, some are more credible than others. And the way that people consume information now and who consumes what type of information can strongly influence what they think. So I guess some media sources are much more likely to run with conspiracy stories than others, and depending on who consumes this information will strongly affect which groups of people will endorse um, conspiracy theories. Social media platforms, obviously there are a lot of conspiracy theories floating around, so they're part of the problem, but also more lately they can be part of the solution. So even just yesterday, Twitter kind of banned or put a ban on a certain type of conspiracy theory um, being shared on, on its platform. So, you know, the the I guess the media ecosystem can be part of the problem but also part of the solution in, in stopping the spread of conspiracy theories. So I, I suppose I'm interested in understanding whether today across our political and media ecosystems conspiracy theories have greater freedom they spread faster are we at a, are we at a, in a in a moment of conspiratorial thinking or actually have we always had these kind of conspiracy theories tendencies well i think we've always had these conspiracy tendencies i think to some degree we're all conspiracy theorists we're all susceptible to these sorts of beliefs at one point or another and i can talk about the psychology of this a little bit later so i think that we're all susceptible to these these sorts of conspiracy theories but it's it's obviously the case that social media has allowed people who want to consume conspiracy information much more freedom um, and ability to be able to do so but what happens in that particular case is that individuals who are interested in conspiracy theories will go and search for that information online and they'll find it straight away They might join groups, they might join communities of other conspiracy believers and their ideas can become much more polarised, their beliefs can become stronger and so they can kind of join um, or become part of these echo chambers or information bubbles where they don't really communicate with outsiders. And this happens in terms of non-conspiracy believers as well. They're very unlikely to search for this information in the first place. So what you you end up with is, is... lots of polarized opinions going on there but it's not as if we're in a moment sort of a cultural moment in which conspiracy theories are particularly thriving today i don't necessarily think so because i think that i mean as a psychologist i'm interested in why people are attracted to these things much more than uh, how technology allows this to happen and whether or not we're in an age of conspiracy I'm much more interested in why these beliefs are interesting to people in the first place. They do seem more visible than ever. And of course, right now, we're in a time where there's a lot going on politically, both here in the UK and elsewhere. Also, we have a coronavirus that we're dealing with. There's lots of conspiracy theories. So I think maybe at this particular time, we might be seeing more conspiracy theories because we're in a particular time of crisis 
and you do find that conspiracy theories are much more prominent in times of crisis. Okay, so we've spoken now, thank you, about the social and political factors that influence conspiracy thinking. Can we jump into the psychological, which is the heart of your work? So what are the psychological factors that that have an impact on people's tendency to believe conspiracies? Sure. Well, the psychological literature to date would suggest that people are drawn to conspiracy theories when they appear to promise to satisfy particular, particular unmet psychological needs. And we would argue that there are three different types of needs that they might seem to satisfy. The first is epistemic, second is existential, and the third is social. So just to kind of run you through those. In terms of epistemic motives, this is really the desire to have knowledge and be accurate and to know the truth. And when times are very, very uncertain, people don't know what's going on, there's a lot of information here, there and everywhere, and there's a lot of bad things happening, they want to know the truth. And conspiracy theories might appear on some level to give people the answers that they're looking for, so to reduce those feelings of uncertainty and confusion. The second um, are existential needs, and we argue that those are related to people's need to feel secure and safe in the environment that they live in, but also to feel that they're in control of themselves as autonomous human beings. So conspiracy theories might seem to offer some of those things, in particular, if you feel that you have, you suddenly have this information that you didn't have before, when you felt that you were out of control, then suddenly having that information might make you feel that you have a little bit more of that control back again. So you know what's happened, you know why it's happened, and it can explain to you a little at least in part, a little bit why you or the world are in the situation that you're in. So you can start to feel a little bit, a little bit safer. So conspiracy theories can, can seem, I guess, to offer a sense of control and power again. And in terms of the social needs that conspiracy theories might appear to satisfy, people generally have a tendency to want to feel good about themselves and also good about the groups that they belong to. And conspiracy theories might seem to offer, I guess, a way to maintain that level of self-esteem and also feelings of positivity about, or pride in the groups that you belong to. So I guess some research suggests that people who are high in narcissism tend to believe conspiracy theories more. People who have a high need for uniqueness tend to believe in conspiracy theories more. And we argue that this is the case because, say, a variable like need for uniqueness which is really as as it kind of says on the tin you have a you have an individual desire to be unique compared to other people people vary in terms of how much that is important to them but people with high need for uniqueness tend to believe in conspiracy theories more and we argue that this happens because it allows people to feel that they have unique special knowledge that other people don't have other people are in the dark but you know what's going on and that can make you feel in some way superior to others so, yeah, conspiracy theories would seem on the surface for people to satisfy these particular needs, especially when they're unmet. In particular times like this, these psychological needs might be more threatened. And so you might turn to conspiracy theories a little bit more. But there isn't really any evidence 
yet to suggest that they actually work. So you might turn to conspiracy theories as a way to cope. For example, um, you might turn to conspiracy theories when you want to regain a sense of control and power. But ultimately, these sorts of beliefs don't help you to cope better. If anything, they make you feel worse. Can I, can, can I just ask you to unpack a little bit more sort of examples of these epistemic and existential and social motives at play? I'm let, perhaps start with the last one, which is the social motives around around believing in conspiracies. You talked of narcissism. You talked about the need to feel unique. Mm-hmm. Talk me through the narcissism and the collective narcissism that you see amongst conspiracy believers. Sure. Well, the narcissism finding is is very very straightforward. People who are more narcissistic tend to believe in conspiracy theories more. It's not necessarily about having a high level of self-esteem. It's more about this level of insecurity that you feel about your high self-esteem. So you might have a very, very strong sense of positivity about yourself, but you don't necessarily feel that other people might share that positivity. So you're a little bit insecure about um, how good you feel about yourself. And this is associated with belief in conspiracy theories, maybe, again, because it allows you to feel that you have information that other people don't and it makes you a bit better. Than, than others. In terms of collective narcissism, that's simply the idea that we have very, very strong positive feelings about the groups that we belong to. So that can be anything, our national group, gender group. You could be a collective narcissism about collective narcissist about sporting groups or the university that you work for or whatever really. But most of the research has been done in terms of national identity. And people who have this kind of very high inflated but again insecure sense of self-esteem about the groups that they belong to also tend to believe conspiracy theories and especially when those conspiracy theories are about them because they are they feel more threatened and that is an it's a negative kind of feeling for somebody who feels so positive about the groups that they belong to to be challenged in that way but it also makes them feel a little bit better or might seem to make them feel a little bit better because um, at least they can maintain this idea that their group is moral and upstanding compared to these other horrible, nasty groups out there that are conspiring and especially conspiring against us. So it's like a feeling almost of group victimization in a way. You feel that your group's not appreciated and there's all these terrible things that other groups are doing, specifically trying to get at your group. And if you're a collective narcissist, those sorts of feelings are stronger. That ties into what you were describing as the existential motives behind conspiracy theory uh, as well. This feeling of not feeling safe, of not being in control. People turning to conspiracy ideas when they're anxious or feel powerless or feel alienated from the political system. Is, Is that what's the move there? What's happening there? Yeah, well, in terms of these existential factors, I can just give you maybe just one example there. We found that people who are anxiously attached tend to believe in conspiracy theories. And attachment style is is said to be that kind of derives from your early child caregiving experiences and how attached you are to a caregiver in your very young years has an impact on how you experience relationships and, and, and other factors in your later life as well. And anxious attachment is this kind of attachment, which a style which constantly kind of needs 
reassurance tends to sort of catastrophize negative experiences, feelings of rejection and all those sorts of things. And people who are more anxiously attached tend to believe in conspiracy theories more because they tend to heighten or exaggerate the bad things that are happening around them. So that's kind of what's going on there. Yeah, more general anxiety is a very very sort of similar process. You experience this high level of anxiety and perhaps a conspiracy theory might appear to at least allow you to understand why you should be anxious. Um, There are good reasons why you feel the way that you do. So that's kind of what's going on there. So it sort of both reinforces the original anxiety and gives a way out for it on, on some level. Is that right? Yeah, well, people might think it's a way out, but in actual fact, it it does tend to make people feel more anxious. So you end up with, I guess, a vicious cycle. You you approach a conspiracy theory to try to make yourself feel better and to cope with a negative situation. But ultimately, it doesn't make you feel better. You might feel a little bit worse. So then you start looking for something else to try to make you feel better, perhaps another conspiracy theory, and you can end up in a negative sort of cycle of belief that ultimately doesn't ever make you feel any better. So in terms of sort of some of the psychological assessments, which you've seen linked with the tendency to believe in conspiracies, we've talked of narcissism, this sort of particular form of anxious attachment. Is projection, sort of psychological projection, also a part of this? I mean, one of the things that we we perhaps see with with conspiracy theories is that the attribute the the attributes that the conspiracy believer would dislike about themselves are projected upon the group that are supposedly doing the conspiring is that a is that a move yeah that certainly is something that we have evidence for in psychology as a process that does predict the extent to which someone will believe in a conspiracy theory and we sort of talk about more in terms of social projection in a way. So like, for example, if you're in a particular social situation, you meet some people or a person for the first time, you don't know very much about them. So you don't have a lot of information at hand to be able to predict how they're going to behave, how they're going to react to you, what they're going to say. And the only real information that you have is what you would do in these particular situations. So how would I react in this social situation how would I how would I feel? How would I react to this particular individual? So people tend to project their own social tendencies onto others. And we have some evidence to suggest that something very, very similar happens in terms of whether or not a person believes in a conspiracy theory. So a person who is likely to believe that in that sort of situation that they would conspire then they will also believe in the conspiracy theory more. So, for example, if you believe that if you were asked to assassinate Princess Diana or asked to uh, become part of a plot that would do such a thing, and you would say, yeah, I would probably do that, or yeah, maybe I would do that, then you're more likely to also believe in the conspiracy theory. So, in other words, if you think it's possible that you would do it, then it suddenly becomes quite plausible that other people would do it. So it explains, it's one thing that can explain why conspiracy theories might be plausible to people because they're plausible because if in a similar situation, they might do it themselves. So this idea of projecting, projecting your own personal tendencies onto onto other people also occurs when you think about conspiracy theories, you project your own 
intention or your own, I guess, tendency to think that's okay toward other people and think, well, yes, that probably did happen then. So on some level, there is a analytical failing with conspiracy theorizing, which you, which you flagged earlier. But also there's lots of findings of yours suggesting that there's actually a series of psychological flaws which also prompt it. Is there a kind of, I, I hesitate to use the word, but is there a kind of madness to, to conspiracy theorizing? I wouldn't go so far as to say that it's a, a kind of a madness or there's something wrong with a person. There's certainly a level of irrationality there. I think that everyone can be susceptible to conspiracy beliefs at one time or another. And I've talked about particular psychological needs that might draw people to conspiracy theories. And at any given time, those needs might be more threatened for some people than others. So at any given time, someone might be more inclined to believe conspiracy theories or if they're feeling particularly good, they, their epistemic needs, their social needs, etc., are met quite well, then they might not be attracted to conspiracy theories. So everyone's attracted to them probably at one time or another. Now, obviously, paranoia is a big contributor to conspiracy beliefs, and some people believe conspiracy theories to a much greater extreme, to a more extreme point than others in such a case that it can actually cause damage to their lives and damage to their relationships. So some people who have these sorts of tendencies do have them much more strongly than others in in such a way that they can um, appear to be, I guess, really quite negative beliefs. But I wouldn't want to necessarily pathologise the belief, conspiracy beliefs as a whole, because I think that everyone has a tendency simply because their general thought processes and cognitive processes that just sometimes go a little bit awry because your your psychological needs are being threatened at a particular time. So I think that everybody will believe something like this at one point in time or another. So yeah, I want to pick that up because I'm fascinated by this. As I read about more and more about conspiracy believers, it did seem to me that we, we're all doing it a little bit, perhaps even all the time. You mentioned motivated reasoning, which mm-hmm. is perhaps the polite way of describing conspiracy theorizing we all motivate we're all all of us employ motivated reasoning all the time there are two key and opposite instances of what might be understood as everyday conspiracy theorizing one is the fact that at least i but i think probably most of us jump to conclusions all the time based on mm-hmm. very par- partial evidence which is one particular move of a a conspiratorial belief. Mm -hmm. And the other is that we're all rightly trained to doubt so much of what we see in the media, so much of what we hear about politicians. Mm -hmm. Isn't that also the starting point of a um, conspiratorial, I can't think of the word, conspiratorializing um, of the world around us? those, Those two opposite but but linked sort of reasoning tendencies that we both that we always have yeah of course I think that it would be very unwise to believe everything that we hear and it would also be unwise to doubt everything that we hear but nevertheless we do have those two competing competing tendencies 
But again, I'd just go back to the idea that we're, we're all prone to this kind of thinking, especially in times of crisis when you are feeling that your, your psychological needs are just not being met. Many of the underlying psychological mechanisms of conspiracy beliefs are just simple faults in the way that we might process information. And we're all, we're all prone to, you know, doubting the truth. We're all, we're all prone to questioning the truth. But I think we're all likely to do this type of thing and specifically approach conspiracy theories when the circumstances are right in these sorts of difficult times that we're in right now. Okay, so so last question for you, Karen, which is, are there not some elements of conspiracist thinking that are, that are correct? You've just said it yourself. You know, the, our tendency to doubt the world around us um, and the information that we're shipped is, is intelligent. It would be naive to, to not ask, cui bono? You know, the, the mm-hmm. fundamental question of many conspiracists, you know, whom yeah. does this serve? And as many of us look around the world, it does seem as if a an increasing amount of power in concentrated in the hands of very, very few people who, for the most part, do seem to be taking decisions in their own and not the collective interest. That's almost the framework for conspiracy theorizing itself. Is the instinct wrong? Well, of course, conspiracies do happen. There are instances in history where conspiracies real conspiracies actually have happened. And we know, of course, this is just the way the world works. It's in the interests of many people to keep others in the dark. And it's in the interests of some people to control all of the power, to have all of the power. Someone always benefits. Um, Someone always stands to to benefit in, in many, many facets of society. So when conspiracies have happened and when these sorts of things do happen and there are powerful people doing things in secret, then, of course, other conspiracy theories automatically seem more possible. If it's happened once, it can potentially happen again. But I would argue that this is why other less plausible conspiracy theories can often take root. If one's possible, then many others might seem possible. That is a great place for us to stop. I'm enormously grateful for this conversation. It's been hugely enlightening and and great fun. Thank you so much. Thank you again for asking me. It's been a pleasure. That was the Palia podcast from palia.com, the encyclopedia of opinion.